of the college football connection with coach Zach Smith um, probably following the worst slate of college football games ever uh, this weekend but hopefully there's some there's some good games to look forward to this week specifically Wisconsin Ohio State to really see where we're at uh, it's a good early season matchup to open up the Big Ten schedule but before we get into that I think we can recap uh, some of these games uh, from this past weekend, uh, starting with uh, the, the big one, Ohio State Toledo, we finally kind of saw this receiver group come together, CJ Stroud come together, Marvin Harrison really balled out this game. Um, but basically, what everybody was talking about preseason, we saw, kind of finally saw it come together, mind you, against Toledo, whose defense offered very little resistance. The quarterback from Toledo obviously stood out to me as a player. He, he competed. There's always that one guy. And I do like the fact that overall this season, even against weaker opponents, we're facing teams with difference makers, guys that can really make and give us some problems on the defensive side of the ball that will prepare us for the more competitive games down the line. What were your takeaways from the game, Zach? Yeah, I mean, it was the most uh, undermatched team that Ohio State has played across the board for sure. And Ohio state played their best game. So it was a bad combination. That's how you get a score like 77 to 21. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that quarterback special, just it, Toledo fans need to enjoy him this year. Cause he will not be playing for Toledo next year. I mean, the minute the season's <laughs> over, he is going to, his bags are packed. He's going in the portal. He's going somewhere. And that somewhere could be Columbus. <laughs> who, who knows? Yeah. Cause Ryan, they watched him live and in person and what he did to our defense. I mean, 12 missed tackles in the game. And Ohio State has been a tackling machine. That just shows you how dynamic that kid was. I don't have the breakdown, but I would bet he caused all 12 missed tackles. Um, <laughs> but it was a great game. And I think, I think honestly, the best thing that happened in the game was C.J. Stroud ran the ball twice. He yeah. pulled his own read and ran it and scrambled. And I'm sitting here like, as much as I don't want to be critical of him because he finally did it, I'm still like, what the hell? Toledo? This is the game you decide to run the ball? Like, yeah. I'm so mad that he ran it. I've been so mad that he wouldn't run it. So I, I guess I think the message got hit home in the meeting room. Ryan and Corey Dennis kind of just helping him see the why, why it's important that he runs and how he's going to get hit in the NFL. He's going to get hit. You know, he gets hit on uh, in behind the behind the line of scrimmage. So you might as well, when you have it, take it. So that when it's time to throw the ball, you get different defenses and you can – you can get the ball out of your hands. You don't have to hold it as long. So it was good to see that. I mean, he was outstanding. I mean, I think he was 11 for 15 versus – because Toledo came in and said, we're going to blitz the hell out of him. I think yeah. their, their thought was, if we can make this kid run, we might have a chance here. And um, so they tried to blitz the hell out of him. The pass pro was outstanding. He was 11 15 versus blitz. Three of his five touchdowns were when they blitzed. I mean, he just – he played great. The defense played really well outside of trying to bottle up that dynamic quarterback. That was, a, that was tough. But I'm with you, though. You're going to play – if they make it all the way, right? If, if Ohio State is destined for this path to the college football playoffs, they're going to face Stetson Bennett or Bryce Young or one of these quarterbacks that's athletic as hell and can run. 
And so you need some experience in games with that. So that's a good thing they got that against a lesser opponent. Yeah. Zach, yeah. When, you, when you go to, like, have a conversation with the C.J. Stroud, obviously he knows the impact him running can make on the game from a, from a strategic standpoint. How, how, would a, how would a coach, how would Ryan Day approach that conversation to start to create that change? Uh, I think, I mean, outside of flat telling the kid he's soft or that he needs to do it and demand it, I think the the, the better way to do it is to, to sit here and just show him why, show him cut-ups, show him, show him Stetson Bennett and some of the throws he's able to make because defenses have to honor his running ability. Show CJ the defenses he's facing. I mean, he's facing brackets and two-mans and things, things that teams are doing that make it really hard to throw the ball because there's no threat of QB run. And so if you show him that, teach him the why, if he is – has a competitive bone in his body, he's going to be like, that's bullshit, man. They're making it hard on me to throw the ball, and that's what I love to do. And he'll take off and run to make it so they can't do that. Now, if he if he gets all that information, gets the entire why presentation, and he still won't do it, now you start to have question marks off the field, right? Like, does he is he that competitive? Does he care? Those kind of conversations, which I believe he does. Um, I think it's just him fully understanding that he needs to do it. Like it's a necessity and it's got to be part of his game and it's for the NFL. It's not just yeah. for college. Like I, he has this, he has this thought within his camp that like he, he just can't get hurt. He's about to be, you know, a, the number one, number two, number three overall pick. And it's like, yeah, but those teams are going to want to see that you have that competitive fire and you will run because you have no choice in the NFL. It's not yeah. up to him at that point. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting It's interesting here, this conversation, because like you said, there might be some people in this camp saying, hey, you don't want to risk injury. But there's also this stigma um, that's always followed kind of athletic black quarterbacks, which is that they are supposed to run. Um, and then also the school thought in football, which is stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, keep your eyes downfield. I think there's a next level to that when you are an athletic quarterback or you have the ability to run. Yes, look down the field, but if nobody's open, take off and yeah. run, which I there's think no is the, myth, <laughs> there's the, missing, the missing part of that, of that happening here. And I think, um, I think for me, when I look at CJ, I think it's more so trying to show that he is that pocket passer, but it's like, you've already proven that over, you've had that proven over the last two years, show that you can add another layer to your game. And that's, what's going to make you, okay, you've proven, go ahead and prove that you can pass first. I understand you don't want the stigma of just being an athletic running quarterback. Now that you've done that, now show him you can run too. Um, and I think that's what's going to lead him to being the number one quarterback over Bryce Young or some of the other, other guys that are in the draft. Yeah, and you're always going to have that stigma. I mean, going back to the Stephen A. Smith comments that Dwayne Haskins was more of a running quarterback, like people yeah. are just idiots, and that's going to happen. But from a football coach's standpoint and evaluating football, Tom Brady scrambles. Like he's the <laughs> least athletic quarterback we've ever seen. And so yeah. we're not – I don't, I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I think CJ should run the ball a lot, but you have to do it some. His over-under rushing yards total, both of the last two games, were 4.5. Like Vegas said – I bet you this kid doesn't even run five yards in an entire game. And he had, I mean, you'd I think, be, three you'd and be a half right yards. for most games. You'd be right. Right. He hasn't hit the over yet because he had a couple QB sneaks against Arkansas State. I think he finished with three yards. And it's like he still hit the under. Like, just all it takes is one scramble, five yards go out of bounds, and he hits the over. And, and defenses have to respect it. Um, yeah. We, I know he's capable of more than that. 
he's capable of more than that. We saw that his freshman year when he broke off that 60-yard run. I know he could be a dynamic dual-threat guy. He's he's just not built like that, and that's fine. But he still has to run it a little bit. Yeah, It's the threat, right? It's the threat that makes it. The threat of it makes defenses respect it. And like you said, this isn't Tom Brady running the ball. About the five times that we've seen him run over the last two years, we've seen a guy that can make people miss, that has some burst, um, that's pretty athletic. Yes, he is slight of frame. I understand that that might be a fear for the program as well. Do you think there's a chance that part of this is also how he's being coached? and told not to run unless he absolutely has to? Or do you think this is more him, something in his head that's keeping him from doing it? No, it's, it's definitely him. And I, I know for a fact that the staff wants him to to take those easy yards. And no no one – I mean, Ryan's smart now. No one wants him to be a runner. He's too valuable, yeah. right? But yeah. there's scenarios where – I mean, you saw in the Notre Dame game. He steps up in the pocket. There is space for 15 yards, and he drills a ball in a, in a double coverage that just – it was never going to be completed. And that's, that's where you honestly show – uh, poor decision making. It's like, why would he throw that ball into double coverage when he could scramble? So, like, the notion that by sh- staying in the pocket and throwing, he's going to show that he's a pocket passer, it actually can backfire on him because it's like, well, that was yeah. a bad decision. Like, he threw That's it into a- double coverage when he could have just, I mean, run five yards and slide before you ever get anywhere near anyone. Yeah. Just make that, that- decision at least, make the smart decision. That's a great point because you're you're reframing it from it's not about being a passing quarterback or running quarterback. It's about winning and it's about taking what the defense yeah, gives you at the end is. of the day. And if they're going to give you and, five and, and ten was, yards, take it. Take it, and, and it goes back to I think CJ has a little bit of Cardale in him where he's so confident in his arm and he he just knows he can make any throw on the field, and that that leads to at times poor decisions where he sees double coverage, but he's like Cardale used to say all the time, he's like ah. I just thought I might be able to fit that bitch in there. And you're like, what? <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> there, are, there are better options than that. Right. Like, you know what? You might be the guy that could, but why? Why do that? <laughs> That's funny, man. That's funny. <laughs> you got to know how to, you know, gotta know how to is that the ball, right? Is that like probably one of the bigger problems you deal with at like a blue chip program is having such talented athletes that they don't do the oh, simple yeah. things? Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. And I, and my, I talked to my guys about it in 2012 and 2013 where we, we were pretty, you know, we were decently talented. I, we weren't like, like we were the later ladder of my career or even like they are now, but we had some talented kids. They were really young in 2012, but they, they didn't, a lot of them didn't have the attention to detail that they needed because they got away with it against everyone. And then we faced Michigan state in 2013 and we didn't get open. And it was like for two years, I was preaching, harping, trying to get them to buy in that they needed to work on the finer details, the releases, the top ends, the hand to hand combat, all that stuff that guys like Devin Smith, they could get away with it. I mean, you go play Indiana, Devin Smith's going to cook everybody. And he did. And so he got away with it. So his, his production and his results didn't match my pleading, right? He was still getting results. He's like, I don't, I'm not really in on this, what he's telling me. Until they got covered by Michigan State in 2013, and it was like, oh, oh, maybe we should listen to him. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so interesting, too, because against a lesser opponent, like all the footwork feels like a waste of energy, right? Because you're setting up, you're setting up a move, you're setting up a fake, you're setting up what you need to set up. That whole process, you're just like, well, I can just run straight and faster than this guy. And, you know, I experienced it, I experienced it in, in in ultimate quite a bit where, you know, you're, you're receiving hand throwing, but the way that they teach you to cut is, is yeah, it's kind of a waste of energy when you don't play good, good defenders. 
But when you play something, right. Cooper Cup. Right. It's Cooper Cup. <laughs> I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, I, the earrings I, too. If, the earrings bother me more. It's like yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I would always tell tell kids to take it off. Um, I didn't mind the earrings just because they're inside the helmet. Whatever. If, if if it stabs you in the neck, you're an idiot. It's your fault. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like my, I'll never forget. And, and, and I should have banned them. I should have been that hard ass old school coach, but my players, it became the style in like 2014, 2015 to have like baggy ass undershirts, like long sleeve baggy undershirts. And I'm like, when did this become cool again? And they, they just insisted on it because of how it looked. And Corey Smith one time caught a corner route, made the corner miss. And he reached out and grabbed him by his shirt this long baggy exactly. shirt uh, and it was a touchdown like surefire touchdown and he held him there until the defense pursuit could come and i was like after that play i was like all right we're done now i'm gonna be that guy no more long sleeve baggy shit not happening yeah it's just got, stupid you got, yeah you got the opportunity to show that it had a, it had a negative impact on the field yeah. right right i mean <laughs> there are a couple other interesting games um obviously we'll get to appalachian state first like what is up with this team, man? Are they like, are they divine or what's, it seems like every year they just make miracles happen. Like. It's, it's unreal. It's unreal from the 42.4th quarter against North Carolina to upsetting Texas A&M. Then they, you know, get a safety and, and hit a Hail Mary to win. It's just, I don't know. It's the year, it's the, the year of the Mountaineer or whatever they are. <laughs> Up in the mountains, they've, they've they've spoken. They've seen the light and spoken. Right, to, like they the brought the tablet down house. from the mountain or something. <laughs> that, that's just, it's just a. Yeah, yeah. No and the other game that I kind of wanted to to touch on was the Texas A and M Miami game because I'm not sure what the takeaway should be. Is did Texas A and M just play a bad game last week? Are they better than advertised? Based on their talent, you would think, okay, maybe Texas A and M just had an off week. Is Miami really that good, or is, was this just a game between two pretty average teams and one team came on came out the victor? I mean, I think it's a little bit of all of that. If you if you watch the game, so I, I've I've this year's the first year where I have all twenty two film, coaches film, and so I I can actually study it. And I've started putting it out on YouTube, and I broke down 
the Miami offense and what happened. And it's honestly, it was on Josh Gaddis in the, in the offense. I mean, it wasn't on Tyler Van Dyke. It wasn't that A&M just, you know, they beat them. Miami ran the ball better. They threw the ball better. They did everything better than Texas A&M. It's just when they got in the red zone, their receivers didn't execute. And the, the play calls, it, the kids weren't, weren't properly taught or they weren't well coached because they're running concepts and the receivers have no, no understanding of spacing or the fundamentals necessary to attack a coverage. Like things were happening where there was nowhere to go with the ball. And it wasn't the Texas A&M was just playing man coverage and locking them up. It was just poorly executed offensive football. And they had four drives in the red zone and they ended up with three field goals out of it. And so you're not going to win a game. You get in the red zone four times and you only get nine points. And that's the reality of what happened. And I think Texas A&M got a little better. I mean, they, they made the switch at quarterback. He didn't play great, but, but he didn't turn the ball over. So it was, it was just that game that they, Miami just couldn't finish drives. And because of it, they lost a, a somewhat close game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was an interesting uh, game. And then our, our, our boys at Arkansas figured out a way to pull it out as well uh, this weekend. So that was a interest, much more interesting game than it needed to be, but it was. Uh, I didn't know that uh, Bobby Petrino was the coach of, uh, of the team that they were playing either until yeah. I, I tuned in a little bit. <laughs> it, was an emo- it was an emotional game. Yeah, Auburn-Penn State was. Yep. They were- Yeah, they are. Yeah, and there's no doubt. Well, I, I think clear. two things happened in that game, right? One, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with Josh Pate, who he's a, has a sports college football show. He was at the game on the field, and he texted me. He was like, this is bizarre. Like, I've never seen a Big Ten team come to play an SEC team, and the Big Ten team looks far superior physically than the SEC team. Like, even, if, even when Ohio yeah. State, when we played Bama, Bama looked a little different than us. We, we ended up winning the game. We played better, and we were probably the better team. But they just looked different. You know what I mean? Just from how the, their size and speed combination. And Penn State legitimately looked like the SEC team in that game. And, I mean, it, it's so, – Auburn is down, but I think Penn State's up. And I think their, their true freshman running back, Nicholas Singleton, is, is one of the best backs in the country. He averaged 12.4 yards per carry against Auburn. And this kid is – think about it. He's in his third college game. And not he didn't redshirt. Like this is his third college week of college football. Uh, I think he's a dude. Yeah, I mean historically, I mean historically, we know we know that Penn State, based on where they're at, the, their their ability to recruit, um, they should be good every single year. And I think this is an important year for Kirk Franklin. Two or three years ago, they're always talking about him leaving for a bigger position. Now it's holding on to this job that he currently has seems to be what he needs to do. Um, and this year's team looks good, and he's had teams that look good in the past. I just I just feel like there's something that needs to be done. It's not a talent issue at Penn State. It doesn't look like it ever when we're playing them and you look at the players they have on the field, you see their players translate to the NFL. It comes down to, you know, game, game. The same issues that we have sometimes at Ohio State. How are the big games being called and played out? Um, yeah. And if they can get that right, they they can probably be our best competition in the Big Ten, I believe. 
Um, definitely more so than, than what Michigan State showed this weekend. Man, man. And I'll tell you, the, the other team to watch, they, they played – I mean, the two teams in the Big Ten that played awful, you know, non-conference games for three weeks are Michigan and, and Minnesota. But yeah. the, we've seen a lot of teams either lose to or struggle against that weak competition across the national landscape. Those are two teams – that did exactly what they're supposed to do. They blew all three of them out. So that doesn't mean that they're going to be on Ohio State's level, but had they struggled, you would know they're not. Yeah. So right now, you don't know if Minnesota or Michigan could give Ohio State a game. I mean, I I, I know Michigan can, but you don't know about Minnesota. They could just have you know handled their business. So I think Minnesota is a team to keep an eye on, too, in the Big Ten. Yeah. Do you see – what do you what... – Yeah, absolutely. And that, that'll be a Big Ten championship game if they get the job done. But, I mean, they, Mo Ibrahim was going to be one of the best backs in the Big Ten last year. He tore his Achilles against Ohio State in week one and didn't play the rest of the year. He's back full strength, looks great. I mean, I think Minnesota is just a team to kind of have on the radar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since we're on the subject of the Big Ten, we do have our Big Ten opener this weekend. Where, where do you see Wisconsin at this year? Have you um, gotten a chance to watch any of their games? I haven't gotten a chance to watch them play live uh, yet, so I can't really comment too much on the talent. I know traditionally Wisconsin can be a competitive game. Um, it can also be a blowout uh, as well when we play them. Which way are you kind of leaning? I know they still they, – do they still have that quarterback that's pretty good? Graham Mertz? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I mean – I think this Wisconsin team is probably a, a lesser version of the team we've played the last handful of years. And, and it's easy to say that they lost to Washington State, and that's just disgusting to say out loud. But um, I, they, it's the typical Wisconsin. There's a reason they spend $400,000 a year on recruiting when Ohio State and everyone else is spending millions. I mean, they they just don't have the skill to do it. And I think they're just like, like they always are. Jim Leonard is one of the best D coordinators in college football. They're going to have a very, very stout rush defense. It's not going to be easy to throw the ball on them. But Ohio State has better players. So I, I, I'm looking at a lot of these games that Ohio State's going to play as kind of like, what can we learn on this chase for a national championship? Because I don't see this game as a potential upset or anything like that, but I think there's something extremely valuable in each game that we can learn, right? Like when we play Maryland, Maryland has the best passing attack in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah. right now, probably over Ohio State. We know that'll change. but So we can learn something from that game when it applies to how good this team is. Like, how do we defend the pass against some NFL receivers and, a, and an NFL quarterback? Similar to that, I think, with, with Wisconsin, we're going to find out how we run the ball against a stout front seven. Like, how are we going to be able to run for five, six yards of carry against what's going to be a top 15 rush defense. That's what we're going to learn on Saturday. Other than that, I think Ohio State should handle business no problem. Yeah. Any other any other games that uh Yeah. It's just it's uh, when, when if you got to think about it if you... <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the reality the reality is is to have to face any Big Ten opponent. Um, what we've seen in the past is teams like Ohio State, teams like Alabama. You tend to lose to the team that you're not supposed to lose to. So, 
So oh, absolutely. This, this is like one of those scenarios where you're not supposed to lose to this team coming off a 77-21 win against Toledo. Uh, going into this game, hopefully the attitude is to continue that. I like what Ryan Day had to say um, last week, which was we have to we have to, you know, impart our will on our opponents versus um, just reacting. Um, but I, and if, if we really did do that, it was good to see the team respond uh, to that statement as well. And I think it's really incumbent on Ohio State to continue that momentum and just not be, you know, a, a 21-13, you know, <laughs> game that we eke out. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and I think this weekend we have a bunch of games like that where you, you, you'll, you'll learn something like Michigan, Michigan's got Maryland coming to town. The team I just was talking about. I mean, that's probably yeah. they're they're in the conversation for the fourth best team in the big 10, in my opinion. So Michigan's going to go from three of the worst college football programs in America to one of the better teams in the big 10 this year. So that's yeah. going to be something to watch to see how, how good – if Michigan goes and blows Maryland out, they're going to have my respect instantly. If they struggle, then you might find some chinks in the armor. And then uh, outside of that, Clemson has Wake Forest, who I think you know they've got good quarterback play. They're undefeated, and Clemson is a fraud in my opinion. So that could present a problem. Um, they're going to lose a game, Clemson is. It could be this one. And then the big matchup, man, Florida's going to Tennessee. Game day's going. Tennessee football is back. Trying to get the Florida monkey off their back. That's that's really the game of the week, and I, I like Tennessee to roll in that game. And they, it's going to be interesting because as I watch the SEC, I don't know how you guys do it, but I always I'm watching Tennessee's of the world, Kentucky's of the world, to see if are any of these teams built or equipped to actually knock off Bama or Georgia. That's right? the only thing that matters. Right? That's the only thing that matters. Like I don't think Tennessee's relevant to Ohio State or the <laughs> national landscape, but they become relevant if they can sneak a win against one of those two teams. And so Tennessee's got to go, if they can get a win here at Florida, start 4-0, they have a good quarterback. If they can do all of that and then beat a down LSU team, you're talking about a team that's going to be, what, 5-0 with getting Alabama to come to, to Knoxville. Can you imagine yeah. what that scene will look like if Tennessee is 5-0 and and Alabama's rolling to town? I think, you know, honestly, like outside of Ohio, outside of Ohio State, Tennessee, like, is a program that I've always enjoyed, like growing up seeing yeah. the T. Martin teams, the Peyton Manning teams. They've always had a significant amount of talent. Um, and then you look at the facility too, their, their stadium, the Rocky Top. They have a cultural, a cultural identity that's very, very strong. So mm -hmm. when we look at teams that could potentially enter the national landscape with Clemson seeming to do everything to look for the exit, maybe they are that team. You know, they could be. Well, and they know. have been in the past. And they're going the right direction. I mean, the NIL money, I mean, they have the number one quarterback in the country committed right now. And, and there's rumors on how much money it costs to get him, but they're committed. That's a committed bunch down there in old yeah. Rocky Top. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a good one. I think Arkansas wins that game handedly. I, I, Arkansas, the least talked about player in college football right now is KJ Jefferson, the, the quarterback for for Arkansas. I think he's stating a case to be at least the second best or third. But he's that third best quarterback in the big the or the SEC behind Stetson Bennett and and Bryce Young. And I think if he can beat A and M, get some momentum, if they can knock off Bama, 
this kid's going to be in the Heisman conversation. That's how good he's been. He, le- he led last year's quarterback play on a number of analytics over Bryce Young, over C.J. Stroud, and I love Sam Pittman and, and his program. I love how tough they are. They run the ball. They play great defense. I, I think that he's he's building as successful as a program as you can build at Arkansas. And so I think I think Arkansas rolls A and M, and then builds some momentum leading into you know when they when they eventually play Alabama. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I'm I'm excited about the SEC. I'm looking forward to see if any of these teams can compete with Georgia or, or Alabama. It's fairly clear to me right now, based on what we've seen in the games that I've seen, that Georgia is playing the best football of any team in the country right now on both sides oh, yeah. of the ball. No doubt. Um, I don't think even an Ohio State fan would debate that. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be exciting. One other kind of interesting subject line from the weekend is Arizona State fired Herm Edwards. This is another one of those head scratchers, Zach, that I wanted to ask you about because you look at Arizona State, you look at their campus, you look at their location, you look at their facilities, you look at the women. Look at the women. Like what? You would say that what's going on? Why is it that this program can never get – they spend the money. It just doesn't seem to – to come together, and the interesting rumor is that this is the, the perfect job for Deion Sanders uh, to take, leaving uh, leaving Jackson State because it gives him the opportunity to build something that no one has built before with all of the resources that you would need. But just curious on your thoughts on Arizona State and why they haven't been able, despite their best efforts, to become relevant. I mean, you, I, I, I don't have a good answer. I mean, they have Southern California's right there. Phoenix, that Scottsdale Phoenix area football is great. I mean, there's, there's NFL players coming out of Saguaro High School is one of the best high school football teams in the country from Christian Kirk to Brian, Mur- Byron Murphy, Denzel Burke at Ohio State right now. I mean, there's great players in that Phoenix area. And if they can, I mean, not only that, but you could you could dip into Texas. You you get Southern California, Texas, and Phoenix. Uh, it doesn't make sense. And a guy like Dion would kill it there. Yeah, he would. He would. I mean, it's very interesting to see. Do you think you know on the Dion front? I mean, he keeps saying what he needs to say, which is I'm trying to build something unique here at an HBCU and compete. But do you think that that can actually be done? Do you think he can actually get to the level of being? competitive in the national landscape there? Or do you think this is just a matter of him building the program out for another year or two, leaving? Or do you think that this is probably something that he's like deeply, that deeply committed to? Because it's, it's, it's a big, I mean, big he's, he's, he's pretty committed to it. I've, I think he loves that he's doing it. He loves that it's working. I don't think ultimately, I mean, is it, we're talking about prime time, right? Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, I think he he really wants to go hoist that national championship trophy and beat Nick Saban, and I don't think that ever is going to happen right now. So I think he loves it. He loves that he's just shocking the world, making waves, sign Travis Hunter. All the stuff he's doing is it's headlines, and that's that's been his whole life, right? That is who he is. He is Mister Headline. But I think ultimately he's too competitive to ride that out because if he if that was even possible, which I don't think it is, if it was possible, it's going to take so long. And he's yeah. not a patient guy. <laughs> I think eventually one of these jobs comes open and he says, damn, it'll be way faster. It'll happen way faster here. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the Arizona State program is one of those that if he looks at, because I think he's got some, I think he's got an ax to grind with Florida State not hiring him when they had the opportunity to hire him. So I could totally see him going to a, another program and mm-hmm. building it up. And you look at Arizona State in the Pac-12, if he's able to recruit the way that he's at doing at Jackson State, bring those players in there in a in a Pac-12 that's far less competitive than the SEC and the Big Ten, you've got your national you got your national opportunity, college football playoff yeah. opportunity sitting sitting waiting for you. There's no doubt, and especially with the departure of, of USC and UCLA, which if, yeah. if the governor of California allows it to happen, I don't know how that real tie works with UCLA, but when they leave, I mean, what is Oregon, Utah, and who else? Washington looks good this year, actually. Um, yeah, that's that's a program, another program like Tennessee. I've been happy to see look good again. You know, um, absolutely, Washington. And Michael Penix Jr. That he was the quarterback for Indiana for two years. He goes out there and looks like freaking. I don't know, like Cam Newton. I mean, just looks like a, a killer. Yeah, he, he put on some put on some weight. <laughs> but it's it, it was interesting. He was he was a killer at Indiana. Went to a program with a little bit more talent. He's going to stand out a little bit more, even more. So. Right. But overall, I mean, <laughs> no, I I just asked you. Last week I asked you, are you ever going to admit it? And you're like, no, I have to double down. It was that bad, though. He couldn't triple it. He got pulled, I, I, right? I had, I had a whole. I mean, I had a whole breakdown for you, but I was going to let you bring it up, Partha, because I like you, and I didn't want to do it. But, but you brought it up, so that, that was the worst quarterback performance I've ever seen. He had a twenty-six QBR. His QB rating oh, was twenty-six. Wow. I mean, he he was three for thirteen under pressure with two interceptions. I mean, it was the worst quarterback play I've seen all year. It just goes to show you how. <laughs> it goes to show you how poor these like projections and rating systems are because last year he was rated the number one NFL quarterback prospect. Unanimous number one overall pick. Unanimous. (laughs) How these things happen, we will never understand, but it's not through analysis, any sort of real analysis. So with that said, I'm glad that, Carthen, you've been able to uh, admit admit your mistake and it's it will help you in evaluating all moving forward. It will help you grow from this, Partha. You'll grow. I think the takeaway from all of this is for these quarterbacks like Tate Martell and Spencer Rattler to stop doing these Netflix shows because oh, it doesn't seem to translate. Can we make that a thing? Like the curse of QB1? Yeah. Fields <laughs> uh, elevated. Yeah. QB1 is a, is dangerous. It's like getting the Madden cover. Right. <laughs> it's dangerous right. for your career. You know, it all, it all comes down to the kid, right? Like Justin Fields is like a square-jawed, tough kid, competitive as hell. Like that wasn't going to go to his head. He was trying to be great. Tate yeah. Martell, Spencer Rattler, 
they kind of enjoyed that a little too much. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Let's Whatever do the big do. games. Let's 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 pick the big games. Sounds good to Ohio me. Ohio State, Ohio State, Georgia. I'll start. I mean, Ohio State, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Let me not scare our Ooh. fans yet. I was like, Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State, Wisconsin. I have being the magical fifty-plus point game that we seem to like doing against Wisconsin. I have it being fifty-six to twenty-one. I, so, so I actually think it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, I'm going to go 42-10 Ohio State. Ooh. It's a big score line. I like it's it. It's a big, big, big score line. We got Texas AM and Arkansas. We gotta keep talking about our talking our team up. So uh what do you guys see that score being? I have it being Arkansas is winning pretty handily by two touchdowns, 35-21. I think it's more I think it's gonna be a closer game than than I want it to be because analytically it shouldn't be. But I but I, I do think Arkansas wins the game, but I think it's like a three point win, like thirty one twenty eight, somewhere in that realm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Uh, Michigan, Maryland, we got to talk about this one um, because uh, this is going to be a tough, tough opponent for the first time for Michigan. Uh, we'll see how good their their defense is and, you know, what, how this QB situation plays out over the, over the season. But I have them on upset alert. I do. Um, Maryland is itching to get that big, like program defining win. They've been knocking at the door, knocking at the door to kind of enter into the Big Ten picture. And, and I see a shot here, specifically with that with that offense. Um, I see them having a shot. I mean, uh, I have Michigan on upset alert, and I will call the upset at uh, Maryland winning uh, 24-21. No bias at all. None at all. No <laughs> bias there. I think I think this is a true true first test for JJ McCarthy. I think Michigan's looked almost perfect through three games. I think Maryland kind of shows everybody they can play, especially when Michigan ends up being eleven and zero going into the Ohio State game, and this being somewhat of a decent game. I think they win by ten, thirty eight, twenty eight. Michigan yeah. does.
Um, Tennessee. What do you guys have happening in that game? I'm taking Tennessee huge. I mean, I've been talking about Hendon Hooker since I watched him against Georgia last year with an offseason development. You know, Florida has a quarterback that literally can't. He, dude, Florida's quarterback, AR-15, Anthony Richardson, he has the lowest completion percentage in the United States of America on throws under 10 yards. Like the easy throws, right? The ones that you, us three, could all make. He completes less than half of them. It's the worst in college football. I think Tennessee's going to have so much energy. The stadium, the the campus, Vol Navy rolling up to the to the stadium. I, I was trying to go to it. We ended up not getting it done. I'm I'm excited for this game more than I should be, and I think Tennessee just smacks Florida. My alma mater smacks them thirty-five to ten. Oh wow, that's a big, that's a big prediction. That's a. I have I have Tennessee winning as well. I've actually gotten to watch two Florida games in their entirety this season, and you're right. It's like you see talent on the field, but that quarterback is such a limiting factor for that team. It. I'm not sure why he's still starting. They have to have something better uh, well, behind him or you, switch the game plan up to just a run-heavy, completely run-heavy scheme that doesn't involve any passing at all. Right. I, I think the reality, and a lot of people probably forgot about this, but Jack Miller, the the guy, that, the kid that got beat out by, by C.J. Stroud, transferred to Florida. He's just been hurt. Oh, wow. So he might might be an option if they want to try to advance the ball through the air ever. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be it's it's We can't complete passes that we could throw. What do you mean? I, I modeled my game after, like, <laughs> I can't. I mean, he, he's heavily – he was heavily recruited, though, so there's something there that Division One recruiting coordinators saw on his high school tape. <laughs> I modeled my bank account after Elon Musk. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh. Oh. Maybe maybe Tom House maybe Tom House can fix him or Coach Whitfield. They should send him. Maybe he could fix him. Oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a project there. <laughs> but you know, all things considered, I think we we've got an exciting slate of games this weekend. Looking forward to a much better, much more competitive Saturday of football. I was sitting there on this past Saturday, just waiting for Sunday uh, to come around. Right. Um, but uh, <laughs> but there are definitely a lot of good games this weekend, and, and I'm looking forward to it. We'll be back next week with the College Football Connection. And if you are watching the games, make sure you stay tuned. Uh, Zach live tweets in his Twitter spaces um, offer some of the better analysis that you'll see if you're into that, into actually – understanding what's going love on. Love the Pilot Boys podcast. Support us on Patreon. One dollar. So definitely tune into that. Patreon.com. Just looking forward to the next week. Show us some love. Doing this again. Heck yeah. I appreciate it, guys.